Hi, I'm Zohara with The Soloist, conversations on soul, education, music, eldership, life, death, and many things in between, where we meet in soul. Hello, friends, and thank you for coming back. Before we start, I'd like to ask you to please subscribe, share it with friends if you like the episode. Put your stars and comments. And if you would like to support us so we can continue not using advertisement in the podcast, there is a PayPal link in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode about pearls and lemons. Life pearls or life lemons? We know the quote that when life gives you lemon, make a lemon juice. And sometimes life gives us pearls. And as we go through life, we know that life is made of both. The pearls and the lemons. And many more in between. There are happy moments, there are sad moments. There are moments of love and there are moments of grief. In a mysterious way, or maybe not so mysterious, it's all connected. Love and grief are pairs or opposites. There are two elements that go side by side. There is no way to experience love without experiencing grief that comes at the loss of the love. There's no way of experiencing light without experiencing the dark. One informs the other. One complements the other. But in a very natural way, we prefer what we call the good side. We prefer pearls. To lemons. We prefer light to dark. We prefer happiness to sadness. We prefer love to grief. But guess what? It's not all in our control. Some is, but not all. And this is a realization that is really important. I think that if I was raised with this notion, I would like to believe that it would have been easier for me to accept the other side, or what we call the dark side. And I just want to say in a footnote that when I say dark, I don't necessarily mean black or bad or everything that comes under this definition. I mainly relate to the something we do not know, something that is hiding, something which is in the mystery, in the underground. And many times it brings its own gold, the golden shadow, as it's called. So I think that if I knew that these two opposites 
come in pairs, side by side, I think I would have been more prepared for life. But who knows, maybe the whole trick is to discover it by myself, not to know it. Sometimes the not knowing is more important than the knowing. And I know that too. I've been contemplating on this recently, how these things go side by side. Sometimes it's a period, like we will have, we might have a period of happiness and a period of sorrow. We might have a period of love and a period of grief. We might have a period of gain and a period of loss. Like waves, one follows the other. And sometimes it's not a period. Sometimes these two opposites are residing one within the other. We might have sorrow inside and inside it there will be a joy. I hope it makes sense. It makes sense to me because I've experienced it, especially recently, more than before. Sometimes, while we are sad, we can experience or have a glimpse of the gift or the promise that is there within the grief. It's a very interesting experience, very interesting emotion, something mysterious to feel. And then what we usually do is to bring it to the head because we want to understand it. We need to explain it, at least to ourselves. It's like we have this thought, how come I'm experiencing grief now and inside the grief hides a promise. There's some newness, something which I haven't known before. Among these pearls, we encounter also the easiness of life that goes hand in hand with the hardship of life. As we know, sometimes life feels easy and sometimes life feels difficult and sometimes even unbearable. When we know people who go through hardship of any kind, emotional, family, spiritual, physical, we have a tendency to go into our cave. What I mean is that when we go through these times, we have a tendency to go into our cave because we all experience it. And when I say cave, it's a metaphor, of course. We tend to not expose ourselves to people around us. We tend not to show our sadness, not to show our grief, not to show how we are feeling needy at certain times. And by doing so, we think we will be safe or safer. So we create safe space for ourselves, safe, so to speak. We 
believe it's going to be safer not to be seen in our sorrow, in our grief, in our failure. And please put quotation marks on each word that I'm mentioning now. And on our um, shyness, on our hesitation, on our neediness, on our helplessness, and all the things that when we were brought up by our environment, immediate environment, and maybe a little further environment, starting with our parents, caregivers, caretakers, uh, guardians, family, and so on, going then to the close society, kindergarten, school, teachers, then growing up and having it from the peers. So it's always a part of the environment. We learned from the environment that this, this is not safe to show these sides of ourselves. And to some extent, it must have been right because we, unfortunately, we're still not living, uh, generally speaking, in this utopian society that really cares for each other. I, from all my readings, I believe and I read and I learn that once upon a time, we used to have cultures like this. Most of the time, mostly. I mean, we, there were always people that were not supportive in these cultures, but we used to come to the world and be surrounded by a tribe that cared for us in some way or another. Maybe the way of caring was not always to our liking, but we were not alone. And just mentioning now the aloneness, we know that loneliness now is the biggest illness, ailment of our society. The biggest one. That one that creates so many problems. So let's go back to uh, the cave that we are preparing and settling to ourselves and settling in, and we think we are safe, only to discover at some point that actually we are not safe there. Oh, maybe we are safe, but we are so lonely, and the loneliness feels like more and more threatening. We prepared a, 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 a cage to ourselves, but we cannot fly with this cage. We cannot sing in this cage. It's like birds who are being trapped in a cage are not singing as they do when they're free in nature. My mother always used to say to me two things which sounded quite contradicting. The first one was Make sure that you never need people. What she meant, and she also elaborated in many times, was that prepare your life in a way that you can be independent. Independent financially, independent emotionally. Be independent. Don't rely on anyone. Try to live life independently, which is uh, for a woman that was, um, that lived in uh, the early 
the early 20s, or was born in the early 20s, it was quite uh, understandable. She lived in a society that women were not independent, did not have power, did not have a way of uh, making career. She always wanted me to make career. I, she loved career women. This is how she called, she called them. So she always repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly told me, and my, told, uh, told me and my sister, that you have to be independent. You have to be independent. So one was that never rely on people. Make sure you never rely on people. And as she got older and she lost her beloved one, um, she used to add another thing to this. She used to say, the worst thing that can happen to you is to be lonely. With this, or between these two contradicting statements, I lived my life, among other things, but I'm just putting now the focus on this topic. So it was quite confusing in a way, but I did not feel it was confusing then because I knew that I have two parallel statements that contradict each other. Don't need anyone, and the worst thing is to be lonely. It's like you are doomed to loneliness, independent loneliness. Or too lonely, independent. Wherever you look at it, wherever you turn it around, this is what it is. As I grew older, I started actually understand it. Yes, it does feel contradicting, and it is contradicting when you put them in one sentence. But now I see them like one of the pairs, the pairs, P-A-I-R-S. Um, realizing that I might not pronounce it correctly. So it's P-A-I-R-S. Pairs. I think so. Pairs. This has you pronounce it. So there are among the other pairs that I mentioned at the beginning. Being lonely and not showing the face of loneliness. I don't think it's, um, it happens without reason that recently, wherever I press the button and look for a podcast, interesting podcast, or I read an article, the word loneliness and the phenomena of loneliness in our world is appearing. It just tells me that this is actually a growing problem in our world. As someone who experienced a deep, deep grief, maybe the deepest grief of my life, when I lost my beloved man of 48 years, um, one year and 10 months ago, I can, uh, I can talk more about the experience of needing people and not showing that I'm needing them. I really went through a journey that exposed this part or exposed the manifestation of my mother's upbringing, my mother's words in me. And I learned a lot from this. I did resent it at times, but now from a wider perspective, as I am now, 
Well, now I can really see what she meant and I can really appreciate the teaching in it. And I know now a bit more what is the sting of this. What happens is when we express our neediness or our pain, it's not that people do not care. They do care. Many people, or maybe most people, do care. Because I think we've got, a, if we've got it printed in our heart that now it happens to her or to him or to them, but one day it might happen to me, or one day it has happened to me. So we know that we are all very um, vulnerable to life circumstances. So when we see a person in pain or a person in need, most of us really feel for the person. Now here comes the sting. That we have, because it's hard to watch people suffering, it's hard for all of us. It evokes our own pain, our own sadness. Because of this, we are trying not to stay there for the other person for too long. So what we do, we're offering help. Some people offer help immediately. Some people offer help a little bit later. They can tolerate a little bit of witnessing the sadness or the pain. And some people just run away because it's just too hard for them. And I know how difficult it is to not do it. Because we feel like we are um, not important. If I cannot help a beloved one, a beloved friend, a beloved family member, if I cannot help them solve or fix their pain or their problem, what is my worth? So it's really a big challenge, real difficulty to not solve other people's problem. Yes, we are more than invited to help if help is needed. Or if help, let me just uh, clarify more. If help is asked for, yes, we should do whatever we can in order to help. We definitely have to do whatever we can in order to support. I think the most important thing we can start with is to trust and to convey this trust in their ability to live or die through this difficulty. So I want to explain why I'm saying or die, because some people like people who are sick, um, very sick, and are on the dying process, on the dying journey, sometimes they really wish to die. They want to die. And because it's so hard to the family mem members to see it, they're trying to say, come on, mom, come on, John, come on, Martha, soldier on, do whatever you can in order to live. And the person that does not want to disappoint the family members or the friend, is really trying hard. But the truth is that they are preparing themselves to leave. 
They are preparing themselves to finish gracefully this journey in life. And gracefully dying is as beautiful as gracefully living. Despite of the fact that it's hard for the people who are watching. So I'm bringing um, maybe an extreme example, but it's something that happens to all of us. Because as we know, we're all going to die in one day. One day we are all going to die. This is definitely something we can do for the people that are close to us. If they want to die, to let them die in their own way, not to try to fix their death. So let's take uh, something which is not as um, final as death. And some of you do not think that death is final, but this is another topic. Uh, let's take an example of people who are going through difficulty. And this difficulty that makes them not wanting to show the face of difficult, difficulties, difficulty in, in the world, they, they tend to go inside themselves. They isolate themselves. Something that we can really do, and it's not as hard as it sounds, is just to offer our presence. We can be with the people. We can pick up the phone and just tell them, I've been thinking of you, so I called to check how you are. And not always it needs to be followed by how are you, because for some people, how are you is a very confronting question, especially when they go through hard time. Because when you ask a person, how are you, and they go through hard time, not always they know what is hard. Not always they feel close enough to you to tell you. But it shouldn't prevent you from letting them know that you are in their life, that they are in your heart. Because as a person who watches or witnesses people who go through hardships, we cannot prevent this hardship, this life hardship, from them. Like they cannot prevent it from us. That's pretty much a given. But we can be there with them while they are in this hardship. We can show them that we are with them. Sometimes it might be a Zoom call. Sometimes it might be just a phone call. I know that text messages are really um, common in today's world. And I know it comes from being, I really, I'm not sure. I uh, haven't investigated fully, but it comes from the fact that I think many people do it, so we do it as well. It comes from the fact of not actually showing ourselves completely. It's easier to write a message or voice message, which I always prefer, um, because there's something in the voice of people that has um, a very, a very big influence on our soul. And uh, I don't know, maybe lack of time, I really don't know. So if everything fails and you can't find another word, uh, succumb to text message or to emoji, a smiley and thinking of you or heart or whatever. But that's not number one priority. Number one priority would be to pick up the phone or to send a message saying, I really want to just connect with you. Do you have time to talk or do you have the time to Zoom or do you have the time to have an audio WhatsApp call or 
video WhatsApp call or messenger call or whatever. Show up. Show up in the life of people. Because this is how we can offer pearls in places which are really difficult. Because back to the quote that when life gives you a lemon, try make a juice out of it. Sometimes people are in a place that they cannot even think of a juice recipe. And it's half joke because juice, a lemon juice does not need a recipe. I think most of us have seen at least once in our life how to prepare um, lemon juice. And you don't even have, need to have um, a very technological or advanced device. You can just hold the lemon and just squeeze it in one or two hands. But some people are so in such a distress that even squeezing a lemon or thinking of squeezing a lemon looks really or feels really overwhelming. So in these times of lemons, when life offers lemons, how about you, me, us, offering our pearls, and that when I say pearls, it does not mean advice, unless given. It means just your parent, just your present. Because our present in people's life is a gem. Our presence is the most precious gift we can give to other human beings. More than anything. More than all the things that we think we, we can give, we want to give, we would like to give, and we can't. And when we love someone, the best thing we can offer them is our presence. Which goes to many other areas that we discussed in previous podcasts, in previous episodes, and I'm sure we'll discuss in future episodes as well. Our presence with people means silent listening without thinking while we listen to them what can we say in reply when they finish their sharing. We can just breathe and be there. Freeing our mind, our brain from uh, irritating thoughts cannot just work it's miracles on the pe person who we listen to, but also to us. It's a um, healing medicine. It's a wonderful medicine for ourselves because if I'm freeing my mind of thinking of what I need to cook tonight while I'm listening to a friend who is going through something in her or his life, I'm, it's a double, double gift. I'm giving the gift of my listening and my presence and I'm giving it to me as well because I'm just in one place, in one mind with this person. That means that my telephone should be in my basket, in my wallet, not, should, not on the table. It means that when my friend asks a, asks a question, instead of saying, oh, you know what, we can Google it, let's Google it and immediately reaching out for the telephone and Googling it. And then 
it's so interesting because the minute you sit, and I'm sure you all experienced it, you sit with a friend and you can see that they're present with you. And then they reach to the telephone to give you some idea or some answer to your question. And immediately something happens something changes in their faces. I call it a zombie face, even if sometimes it's quite hidden and subtle. And also in the energy between you, because something has been cut straight away when the mobile telephone is out of the pocket. When we meet people and we put our telephone on the table, like we sit for a cup of coffee and the telephone is on the table. We actually have three people in this meeting. You, your friend, and the telephone. Now, I want to confess, I've been, if we call it guilty, I've been guilty as well. Not really thinking of it. Until I actually reached um, a few articles about it uh, came to my desk. And I'm changing it now. And I'll talk more in future episodes about it because I find it uh, one of the biggest problems of our culture. Now, please do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm not there. I'm there with you, doing the same mistake. Maybe sometimes I'm managing to be more mindful and not to do it for a long time, but I'm still in the same place and maybe I'll always be. And this is why I'm talking from experience. So I'm not preaching here. But I'm sharing with you what I'm learning. I'm learning that my presence with another person might be interrupted just by the physical presence of my mobile phone on the table. And I know that we've got a problem because some the, the mobile is not just for communication. It's all the apps that we have. Um, and with, like it seems that we don't have a replacement for them. We don't have substitute. So it's a quite a, a very delicate dance to learn how much, when, where, and so on. But I know that I don't like um, wearing watches. It irritates my skin. So my telephone is my watch. I'm going to try now to find a watch which is more and more delicate to my arm, so I do not need to look every now and then at my watch to see the time. I'll tell you how I go. I'll also tell you how my skin goes with this. But uh, I'm trying new things. I'm trying to uh, eliminate the presence of the telephone in my vicinity. So like I've been experiencing it already with when I go for a walk, I know on my telephone I've got my podcasts to listen and my audiobooks, which I really love listening. But recently I've been leaving the telephone at home. And the music that I listen to is the birds. I, I listen to the bird talk, or my thoughts, or the creativity that comes out. I will, um, if you ask and if you want, I will share it in the future let you know how, how I go. Yeah, so presence is the gift. Presence is the present. And especially, not especially, no, but also with children. 
when we are with children, be it your own children, children in your family, children in your neighborhood, just be with them, watch them, listen to them. Put the telephone aside. I know we all love our telephones, but there's time, there are times in our lives that the telephone needs to be put aside because after all, telephones should not um, control our life. They should come as assistance, but not as control. Yeah, so I started with lemons and pearls, with grief and sadness and other pears, and finished with mobile telephone, quite a big um, circle, almost like life, the spiraling of life. So what would I like you to uh, remember most, if it's up to me, from this episode, is that just be with your friend, just be with people in your life. Don't try to solve their problems unless they ask you if you can give them a tip because many times we do need it. But be gentle with offering help. But be very generous in offering your presence. Be well. Look after yourself. Look after your heart. Connect to your soul. The sun is shining today here. And let's hope for more and more sun shining in our life, remembering that it comes after the dark and with the dark. Bye for now.